In The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis tells the story of a bishop who dies and finds himself getting off the bus at a place he doesn't know. And he's greeted with a sign that says, Welcome to Heaven, which is always a pretty good start. And he begins to look around for someone who's in charge. Reporting for duty, he says, and then asked, where will we be gathering for the meeting? What meeting comes the reply? Well, surely there's got to be a meeting, says the bishop. If there's no meeting, how is anything going to get done? And the person just stares blankly at him. Done? There's nothing to be done. It, it's done. It's over. It's finished. Jesus has done it all. And the story concludes with the bishop boarding a bus bound for hell. He needs to get there and get busy. He needs to get himself somewhere where the work is never done. From primal times, religion has always been about what we have to do to get God to help us. And even long-time Christians can really struggle coming to terms with the maxim that there is nothing we can do that will make God love us any more and nothing we can do that will make God love us any less. And yet the thinking that there is anything we need to do to get God on side is utterly blown apart by those last words of Jesus spoken from the cross in John. It is finished. Of course, when you're reading any text, you always need to be careful about the tone in which you hear it. And there are occasions when we could say it's finished with little but relief. To us, there could be times when it is finished can be little more than, whew, thank goodness that's over. Or we might say it with an air of resignation, submission, capitulation, surrender. Oh, I give up. I'm done. It's finished. And actually, that needn't necessarily be a bad thing. There is wisdom in knowing when to quit. But there's no sense of either of those here. There's no sense of Jesus thinking, well, I've done what I can and look what's happened. He's not thinking, if I'd only been a bit more careful in my disciples selection. He's not thinking, maybe I could have been a little more conciliatory with Pilate. Still, too late now. It's over. Finished. Most importantly, Jesus doesn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. One of the main things that John emphasises throughout his account of the crucifixion is how at all points Jesus is utterly in control. He wasn't a victim. No one was taking his life from him. He was laying it down. And so John tells us that Jesus knows when everything has been done. And that the moment for him to die has come. Even in the way John describes the death of Jesus, there is that element of control. Jesus' spirit doesn't leave him. 
Jesus gives up his spirit. It's a very active expression. So what tone is Jesus speaking in when he says those words, it is finished? Well, come with me, if you will, to Wimbledon at Centre Court on a Sunday in July. Two guys at the peak of their game slugging it out to be the champion. And at match point, after five gruelling sets, one plays a brilliant passing shot for a winner. And as he falls to his knees or onto his back in that mix of joy and exhaustion, the commentator, almost without fail, will say one of two things. Either, that's it! Or, he's done it! Take your pick. Either will give you the sense of what Jesus is saying here. It's completed. It's accomplished. It's done. It's finished. But what is finished? Over those hours since supper the previous evening, a work was being done. Jesus had sweat drops of blood and prayed that he would be relieved of this task. And yet, as it became clear that this was his father's will, he had willingly undertaken it without shirking any of it. The mocking, the scourging, the humiliation, the crown of thorns, rejection, betrayal, denial. It was all at an end. It is finished. But what else is finished? Well, Jesus has completed the work his father had sent him to do. He has been obedient to all that God has called him to do, right up to the point of death, even death on the cross. It is finished. And what else is finished? God's revelation of just how much he loves us, even when we reject his love. His revelation of the lengths he is prepared to go to that he might win us back to himself. He said it himself to his disciples earlier that evening. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life for their friends. And yet here, even when we are still at odds with God, still rejecting him, still defying him, he gives himself over into our hands to do with him as we wish. And as we do so, he cries, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And he's doing it simply because God so loved the world. And that revelation is complete. It is finished. But that's not still all that's finished. There's that business that began in the garden when we decided we didn't need another God, that we were perfectly okay to take the role for ourselves. So all those years of pride, rebellion, sin, the stuff that times we've known isn't even working for us, but we haven't been able to rid ourselves of. Well, throughout the ages, God has been determined, having created us and loved us in all manner of ways to deal with it and get back to us. And now it's been addressed, not with words, but with a deed. In Christ, 
God has done for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. When we could not reach up to him, God has climbed down and finished what he began. It is finished. And there's another little thing in that word finished. I don't know whether it was in Aramaic or Greek, but in their world there was a similarity between the ideas of being in, of sin and being in debt. And that's why in some versions of the Lord's Prayer people will say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it's quite appropriate that when Jesus says those words, it is finished, it was the same word that would be stamped on a bill saying paid in full. There's no more repayment plan, no more working out what we have to do to make it up to God or get God back on side. That's sorted. It's paid in full. It's finished. And those are good words to hear on a Good Friday. Because Good Friday is one of those days when it's especially easy to leave church depressed, burdened or guilty. There's a grim horror to the account of that we are reflecting on of the crucifixion of Jesus. And we remember that that man is hanging and suffering there for us, for our sin. But today can also be a day of joy as we spend time reflecting on the events of that Good Friday and the meaning of the cross. So much of what is going on here from God's perspective remains hidden from us. From our perspective, all we see is the blood, the horror and the death. But we are invited to see in these events, not the defeat of God, but the victory of God's love. And from the very first Christians right down to the present day, there have been all sorts of ideas and theories of just how Jesus' death on the cross saves us. And they're all fine provided that we remember they are just ideas and theories, just there to help us understand what happened that day. But today we're not asked to explain it. We're not asked to figure it out. Today, all we are invited to do is be still and know that in that man on the cross, God has worked out something grand and something glorious on our behalf. And he's done it despite us. There's no need to get busy trying to get ourselves right with God. Because he's already done it. It is finished. But we're also invited to recognise that although the work is finished, the story isn't over. In a few days, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But we must also remember that the story continues 
For God's Spirit is still at work in the world and in us, inviting us into the kind of relationship of peace with God and with each other that somehow the death of Jesus has made possible. And we're invited to recognise that all he is asking of us is that we open ourselves to allowing him to be at work in us, shaping us to be the people who will share in his work of drawing others into relationship with himself. And we're invited to do that knowing that there is nothing we must do, nothing we can do to earn that love. We already have it. He's done it all. It is finished. So no more wrestling with guilt. No more burden of failure. No longer captive to the past. No longer troubled by the future. The victory is won. Mercy is assured. Evil and death are defeated and life is held out to you. Go then and live it, rejoicing in the love of Christ, serving him as best as you can by his grace. Grace and peace to you. Amen.